Welcome back once again to Book Nerds. <laughs> I'm your host, Anthony. And with me in the studio, a very special guest. I have Amy Russo. Hello, Amy. Welcome to Book Nerds. Hello, Anthony. How are you? I'm doing great, thank you. Amy, tell me, when did you first realize you were a book nerd? Probably when I was about six. <laughs> and you? Pretty much right when I started to learn how to read at about 16. <laughs> All right. Well, if you're wondering, wait a minute, <laughs> what did I tune into? This is not Grace and Peace Radio. Actually, it is Grace and Peace it Radio. <laughs> you are at the right place on your podcast dial. And I am your host, Anthony Russo, and this is my co-host, Amy Russo. Good morning, everyone, or at least we're recording this in the morning. That's right. So wherever you are, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or what are you doing up at this hour? Today, we are going to be talking about books. We're going to be talking to Amy about some of her favorite authors and favorite books. So stay tuned. Welcome to Grace and Peace Radio. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and it's my hope that you will be encouraged and God will be glorified. And with that, let's start the show. All right, so let's kick this off because I know we've got a lot to cover because as I said last time, Amy is a voracious reader. I do read a lot, yes. Yes. Uh, you know, for most of our marriage, I've pretty much only seen the top of Amy's head, her forehead <laughs> on up, because the rest of it is uh -huh. buried in books. Yes. No, no hyperbole here. None whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see your face. Thank you. So like I said, so we've got about an eight-hour show playing for you. <laughs> And let's start it off. Amy, we were talking a couple weeks ago uh, about ways to encourage ourselves in these in these times. Mm -hmm. For those of you who are just tuning in, the last two episodes we talked about spiritual strength for dark days. And part of that was, of course, reading good Christian works, biographies, missionary biographies, just other books by by Christians. As we started to talk about that, you started to talk about some of your favorite books. Right. I was starting to uh, talk about one of my uh, all-time favorite devotionals. And uh, that's when I was interrupted and said, wait a minute, hold that thought. There's a podcast idea. Exactly. That's what happens <laughs> these days. You know, it's like, wait, wait, hold, hold on, wait. There's a podcast in this. Exactly. Most of you probably know, because I know Anth has mentioned it, that he is an insomniac a lot of times. So... He tends to come up with these ideas uh, in the middle of the night, and I hear about them as soon as I get up in the morning. So Exactly. <laughs> so, Amy, what do you have for us today? How do you want to start off? Do you want to talk about, do you want to go by genre of book, or do you want to talk about some of your favorite authors? Let's go by genre, because then I think it'll it'll blend into the rest of the books. Now, mind you, this is not an exhaustive list of books. Uh, I usually I usually have about two nonfiction books, one or two nonfiction books that I read, and usually one novel uh, that I'm reading at any given time. So I have read a lot of books, and that's just 
who I am. But I think what I wanted to first start out with in talking about, I'm really only going to talk about two devotionals specifically that have really impacted me and that I've gone over and used more than once. But there is a warning to this. There was a time when I was definitely reading more devotionals, probably early in my my Christian walk, that I was reading more devotionals from popular authors, popular Christian women authors, solid at the time, a couple of them not so solid anymore. But I found myself focusing more on those devotionals than I was in reading scripture in the morning. Mm -hmm. So I would find myself maybe, oh, you know, I I only have time to read this devotional. I'm going to do this. Then I'll skip the reading because I'm busy. I got to get ready for work. I've got to get out the door. And I honestly couldn't tell you when. That's back when people did get out the door. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that was was before uh, permanent remote work. So I don't know where in my walk. I don't know if it was discussions that you and I had, probably, you know, over time as we, we discussed things. But I realized that I was doing too much devotional, not enough scripture, and that Many devotionals that are out there are not Christ-centered. They're all about how do I feel better? How do I make my life easier? how How do I be a better wife, better worker? There's a certain amount that's okay with that, but because it's too easy to get knocked off the track, I personally have just made a conscious effort that I don't read devotionals unless it's really very scripture-based, very Christ-focused. So my absolute number one uh, devotional is what's called Streams in the Desert. Some of you may have heard of this. You'll usually see it on the shelf as Streams in the Desert by Mrs. Charles E. Cowman. It's actually Letty B. Cowman, uh, the wife of Charles Cowman. But back in the day, in the, uh, what, early 30s, I think when this was published, uh, it was common for women who did publish to go by their missus and their, their married name. What's fascinating about the Kalmans is that they were missionaries to in Japan from 1901 to 1917. And I didn't know this until way after the fact. Actually, I got my cop- first copy of Streams in the Desert from you. Mm-hmm. You found it in a thrift store mm-hmm. and gave it to me for Christmas. Yeah. And it was... But because we heard it on the radio... Right. That's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. That radio station in Florida. And I forget the old fellow's name, but he okay. had that great radio voice. Awesome voice. And he would always say, now we're going to listen to streams in the desert. And that's what he sounded like. And it was great. Yeah. It was just the perfect radio voice. So from there, Aunt found it at a thrift store, gave it to me, and I read it. But the point being is that Mrs. Kalman started writing this book because they had to leave Japan because of Mr. Kalman's illness. So they came back to the States and I think it, the man was seriously ill and I think it took like 10 years before he passed away. And she was watching him, obviously this, you know, her husband dying. And for her own comfort, she started writing Streams in the Desert. And it has been a huge, huge comfort to me. Um, I remember reading it, and I'm, I'm thinking that I got it in 2008, Christmas. And then I read it and started reading it in 2009. I might be kind of off on that. But, you know, in 2009, we had a, a tragedy happen in our family, a death in the family that really impacted me. And I just found great comfort in it. 
since then I've read it probably twice over, you know, used it for a whole year. I'll still just pick it up if I'm having a rough day or I just need some focus for a few minutes at work. I'll pull it off the shelf. I'll read the day's entry and uh, go from there. I've bought probably hundreds of copies of this at, at thrift stores as I've uh, found them, you know, nice clean copies, and I've given them away to people because it just really, it's really, really good. All right. And what is the next one on your list? Valley of Vision. Okay. Valley of Vision uh, was actually told to us by uh, a gentleman we were working with at Wycliffe, uh, mm-hmm. Bible Translators. And so I picked it up, and it's a series of prayers that you can use for yourself. And I have since just recently learned that there are editions uh, of that that are in, in updated language. Mm-hmm. So and that, that's Puritans. Those are the those Puritans. Are the prayers of uh, written prayers of Puritans. Mm-hmm. And I think Charles Spurgeon has has got some prayers in there too. Mm-hmm. It doesn't designate who wrote what, right? Which is actually kind of good because you just pray the prayer and but yeah that's that's some good stuff too but the other devotional that I'm actually working through now is called a lamp for my feet by Elizabeth Elliot and as we'll get to a little bit later I think anything by Elizabeth Elliot is excellent but a lamp for my feet is a six month really could do this in six months it's just thoughts and ideas that she's encountered mostly on her own, as she says, little scraps of paper that she's written down or notes in her journal, notes she's made after a speaking engagement, those kinds of things. And uh, for those of you who may not be familiar, Elizabeth Elliot was the wife of missionary Jim Elliot back in the mid-50s. He and Elizabeth and three or four other families. It was five. Five, yeah. yeah. He was killed in 1956. Anyway, they were down in Ecuador, and they were, the men were trying to reach the Alca Indians. Long story short, there's lots of stuff out there that you can find. Uh, they were killed by the Alcas in, in their efforts to, to reach them. And amazingly, Elizabeth Elliot stayed after that, and she ended up living with the Alcas, and many of the Alcas came to the Lord over the years. One of the missionary men who was killed, uh, Nate Saint's sister, actually stayed with the Alcas long after Elizabeth Elliot came back to the States. So since then, Elizabeth Elliot has done speaking engagements, written many, many books. And I just learned that she actually was part of the board that worked on the, I think it's the 1984 NIV, New International Version Bible Update. Mm. And she's also taught at some colleges over time. And then she went to be with the Lord just a few years ago. 2015. Mm. Yeah. Wow, at 88. Yeah. And what was amazing with that, too, is her faith was strong no matter what. And I think that's what draws me to her, because if anybody had a reason to despair over many points in her life, it would have been her. Uh, she lost her husband. They hadn't been married that long. In 1969, she remarried. That husband died of cancer four years later. Then in her last year, she married again. She had dementia, a type of dementia that she couldn't speak. So after so many mm. years of communicating to the world about the Lord, she she could no longer speak. Amazing woman. I'm glad you brought her up because now there's a generation of women, of Christian women, that 
you know, honestly, they're exposed to so many bad teachers mm -hmm. and so many bad women authors, women speakers that they don't know about the good ones. And Elizabeth Elliott, she was the pretty much the premier woman speaker. That's for, true. And now a lot of women don't know her. They don't know her. And some might say that her writing style is a little off-putting, but I, I just, she's very, she's very straightforward. Mm -hmm. she, there, she pulls no punches. She's very loving. She's obviously compassionate, but she says it like it is. Yeah. And yeah, she's, it, she's very precise in her writing. Yes. Yes. Every word is there because it needs to be. Mm -hmm. Well, good. And she also wrote devotional. She wrote about at the time, you know, present day topics like feminism was coming up. Mm -hmm. And so she argued against that singleness, both for men and women. Right. Dealing with that. Mm -hmm. So really, there's just a whole host of topics and resources from her that are, are helpful. She wrote a book for men about being masculine and what that mm -hmm. means and how, how to be a man. She wrote that for her nephew. Yeah, I, I really do. I've I've got a whole host of her books, and I, I recommend anything by her. Um, Discipline, uh, her book Discipline mm -hmm. is excellent, and Be Still My Soul. Um, those are two that I've I've especially enjoyed of hers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, you have on here, we're going to pivot from talking about Elizabeth. Let's talk a little bit about Elizabeth. <laughs> People are like, what? Yeah. We have Elizabeth with an S, which is Mrs. Elliot, and then there's Elizabeth with a Z, and this would be Elizabeth Prentice. I only learned about Elizabeth Prentice from a woman at church probably about, what, two years ago, something like that. Some of you who know older hymns might be familiar with the hymn, More Love to Thee, which I was very familiar with, heard that as a kid, even growing up in the Methodist church. But didn't know who wrote it, didn't know anything about her. Well, someone had a uh, couple people actually, without even being connected, mentioned a, a book that she had written called Stepping Heavenward, which is a story of a young girl and her salvation, growth, and spiritual maturity through her whole life. So while it's uh, fiction, there's a lot of it that, that takes from, from Elizabeth Prentice's life. But let me tell you a little bit more about her. She was born in 1818. I didn't write the year she, but she was only 59 when she died. She was the daughter of a well-known pastor at the time. She was a writer from her youth, very, very intelligent, ran a girl's school for a few years. Like I said, writing from like the age of 16, had stuff published. Uh, she married George Prentice, who was a pastor. She married him in 1845. She always had chronic health issues throughout her whole life. After her death, her husband published her, as he called it, The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice shortly after she died. I, I think it honestly was part of his grieving process of just of sharing that with the world. What is amazing to me about Elizabeth Prentice and what I learned in The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice, which was reprinted later on, I think in the mid-90s, as uh, More Love to Thee. The Life and Letters of Elizabeth Prentice, which Elizabeth Elliot did the foreword for. But she was, she was an ordinary woman in the sense of she didn't travel the world. She, she didn't have a speaking presence. She was a daughter, 
a wife, a mother. She served her community, wherever that community was at the time. She would hold Bible studies in her home. She served the sick. Even with her, her chronic health issues, it didn't slow her down from going to visit the sick in her community. She'd lost two children, uh, one in infancy, one at age of four. It is interesting in that time period of just how how much loss, you know, death there was to of young children at that time. And the comfort that she brought mothers. She knew just the right things to say, just wrote the right letters. She could be prone to despondency, uh, sometimes as a result of, of illness, as we all know, when you're not feeling good, it's really tough to feel positive or, or think positive about things. So she did have moments of that, that you see in her books, uh, or in this, this particular book in her letters and journals and whatnot. She wasn't afraid to share those kinds of things. She was just very open and very loving and... You just got to read the book. I just found it so encouraging. I mean, it's a thick book. I've read it in pieces over time. It was was one of those great books that you can read a bit of it, like before you go to bed. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a great thing to have in your head before you go to sleep. So then, and then afterwards, I read Stepping Heavenward. And I could see a lot of her and her life and her walk in, in that book. I've since given away some Stepping Heavenwards as I've found those at thrift stores as well. And all these women that you've talked about and all their works, how are, how are they different than, say, a lot of the modern devotionals that are out there? It's not focused on them. Mm-hmm. They are telling you... It's focused on Christ. It's focused on Christ. It's focused on the walk, their walk with the Lord. It's focused on what they're doing for others. And, and sometimes the, what they're doing for others is just taking care of their own family. Mm. I mean, there were, there were times when a child was sick that she was stuck in the house with them. Because you're talking some serious illnesses. Elizabeth Prentice. Was Elizabeth Prentice, yeah. sorry, uh, back in the day. So, you know, there could be weeks on end that it was just her taking care of her kids and making sure her husband was okay and that he could get out and preach and, and teach and the encouragement she gave others, where unfortunately a lot of the modern devotionals or books out there are honestly focused on woe is me. And and I'm telling you from experience, it's too easy to do the woe is me. Mm-hmm. It's too easy to, to slide down that slope and before you know it, you're wallowing. And again, that goes back to what I was saying about relying more on devotionals. Well, then now you're relying more on, so how did this woman supposedly overcome whatever the situation was? I'm not saying that those things aren't, can't be helpful to a certain extent, depending on what your, your life situation is at the time, but you really, really need to use discernment and you really need to be careful and catch yourself from, oh, I just want to read this. I just want to know what so, what so-and-so did instead of opening the Bible and mm-hmm. reading a psalm. Yeah. Or looking at lamentations right. or whatever. That's helpful for for really understanding the role that devotionals ought to play in a, a Christian's life, male or female. Also what to look for in a devotional and what to warn what what to be wary of in a devotional. Mm-hmm. 
you have some other books that are not devotionals. Tell me a little bit about some of those those books that, that you also have enjoyed over the years and have benefited from. Well, let me start with what started out my whole reading Christian biographies. I was never a biography person. My mom loves biographies. That's usually the Shout first. out to mom. Shout out to mom. Who uh, does listen. Who does listen, That's yes. Right. Yes. That's right. She's probably laughing right now I know, that we're talking she is. about her. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, that's usually the first place she heads to in a bookstore uh, are the biographies. But I've I've grown to appreciate biographies. But a series of, it's called Heroes of the Faith series. And I have to give a nod to not just my husband, but to my husband's mom, who bought the a few of these series. And didn't she find them at garage sales and stuff? Uh, she might have bought them. She might have bought the whole series at once. That's okay. one of the rare things that she might have actually bought retail. There you go. And not not at garage sales. Yeah. So he's, he has always had this, this series called Heroes of the Faith. And they're little mini biographies. And I believe they really were um, uh, targeted for teenagers or, yeah, or so. young people. Yeah. Just yeah. say young people. Uh, so you give, you got Martin Luther, William Tyndale, William Carey, Charles Spurgeon. Mm-hmm. Some uh, of them aren't so great. I think there's like Mother Teresa in there. Yeah, and, Mother Teresa. Uh, some other ones that are kind of wonky. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Gladys Elward, Fanny Crosby, Corey Ten Boom, and and they're just little books that give you the biography of these people. So you have it's not some tome that you're trying to get through, and that's what got me hooked on looking at and reading Christian biographies. Uh, because I wanted to know more about some of these people. And in some of them, you know, like with Martin Luther, I don't want to, there's a ton written on Martha Luther, Martin Luther. But I don't need to read all of that. For me personally, this little book gave me the information that I needed to know and understand and appreciate Martin Luther. But it also introduced me to people I would never have thought of, that I would never have run into, like Gladys Aylward, this little tiny under five foot woman who uh, was determined to be a missionary. And she went from England to China on her own by herself. Without an agency. Without any agency. She just went. And the whole scene of her on this train going across Siberia. Anyway, you got to read about Gladys Aylward. She's incredible. So that's really what started these. And it is, it is from this Heroes of the Faith that I, I wanted to learn more about, about others. One in particular, Amy Carmichael. Amy Carmichael was... Welsh. Welsh, yes. And uh, long journey. She thought she was going to be a missionary in Japan. God redirected. She ended up in India, where she spent her essentially her whole life uh, ministering and saving children that were given up to the, uh, the temples, you know, raising these children and, and teaching them. And, and that, w- that was her whole life. So from a little biography that I read from Heroes of the Faith, I ended up reading a book called A Chance to Die about Amy Carmichael that, surprise, surprise, Elizabeth Elliot authored. <laughs> she admired uh, Amy Carmichael. So just fascinating stuff. Corey Ten Boom. Read that one through Heroes of the Faith, and then I went on to read The Hiding Place and others of her books 
Cory Ten Boom, for those of you who don't know, born in 1892 in the Netherlands. She and her family helped house and rescue Jews during World War II. The family was eventually caught. They were betrayed, actually, by someone who worked with them in, in this endeavor. All of the immediate family ended up in concentration camps. She and her sister went to Ravensbrück Women's Concentration Camp. Her sister died there, and then shortly after, Corey was, was released, which was a miracle by the Lord all on its own. And then she went on to speak all over the world and evangelize. And eventually, a movie was made of her book, The Hiding Place, which I recommend. Uh, Anthony and I just, I remember reading or seeing the movie through youth group when I was a teenager. I, it really was impactful then, but I didn't really understand it. And then Anthony and I just watched it recently because I w- wanted to. And I didn't really, I mean, I knew about Corey Ten Boom, but I didn't know the story. And actually, I think we watched a biography or a documentary about the film or something That's right. First. We did. We did because we found something on, on Prime. Yeah. And then it made it, it made it interesting enough to want to watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, part of that too is in the documentary, they talked about how they filmed the, the house scenes in the actual house that yes. it all took place in. Yes. So as you're watching the film, this is the actual house. They show you this is the actual hiding place where behind a closet, you know, behind a, a gap in the house and everything, where they hid. Where the they Jews built a wall so yeah, specifically right. to be able to hide. Yeah. I'm not good at watching a lot of these things. Like Schindler's List, great, great movie, but really hard to watch. That's not the case with The Hiding Place. I mean, it's it's hard to watch, but uh, in the sense of that's our history. But it's not it's not gruesome. So lots and lots of books that we can keep talking about. And I'm sure we'll have other episodes where we can talk more about other books. Any other final thought? If you had to if you had to pick one of oh, these boy. books. No, 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 no. This okay. is easy. This is easy. Okay. If you had to. If you had to suggest one of these books to another lady to read, which of these books would you recommend they start with? That's a good question. Um, Streams in the Desert. I would say that would be number one. Number two, if you want, if if you're either new to the faith or if you know you're a listener and you're you're wondering about Christ and, you know, what is the stuff that you guys are talking about? I do think that stepping heavenward is a, is a good, good way to do that as you want. I mean, granted it's fiction, but it's based on what happens to people, this young girl and her walk with the Lord and how that manifested itself in spiritual growth and maturity and serving the Lord in just day to day. We're just regular people. Um, so I would say that would be second, and then anything by Elizabeth Elliot. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And all of these books have have really two two things in common. They exalt Jesus, mm-hmm. and they apply God's word to everyday life. Yes. Part of the reason we love these, you love them, and, and the ones I'm— familiar with, uh, I love them, is because those are the two goals 
of even this podcast. That's what we want to do here. Right. We want to exalt Jesus and help all of us exalt him in our own lives and then also apply God's word to everyday life. Exactly. Exactly. And and we need that kind of encouragement um, from scripture first and foremost, and then others who've gone before us, mm-hmm. the cloud of saints. Yeah. Yeah. With that, and speaking of encouragement, next time, next time, it's going to be the end of the year. It's the end yes. of 2020. Yes. And we're going to be talking about some blessings from 2020. Rather than a look back at the the bad things, right? we're going to look back and, and talk about some, some blessings in our lives mm-hmm. and just generally some blessings in the world. And so we look forward to joining you and hope you'll join us next time. And in the meantime, Lord bless you. Lord bless you. And we hope to talk to you again. That you'll be listening next week. Mm-hmm. Well, that's our show for today. I hope you'll join us next time as we spend time in God's Word, looking at how we can grow in our knowledge of Him, our love for Him, and our service to Him. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, visit us at graceandpeaceradio.com or on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash graceandpeaceradio. Until next time. I'm your host, Anthony Russo, and Jesus changed my life.